respecting the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. They didn't have a clue what was going on. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments and As they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise Again, we sang a song just a few minutes ago that that capitalized on what Jesus did in this passage. And and we sang about how the resurrection power of Jesus Christ was alive in us. And the fact of the matter is when when Jesus got up on that day, he made it possible for us to get up every day thereafter. Jesus got up. If anybody was down in a way that he he should have been down for the count, it was there in the tomb. It was there when the stone was blocking the, the exit. But Jesus, Jesus got up. And we have the power to do the same. I'm going to read several scriptures and, and we're just going to kind of walk through scripture together. But there are times all throughout the Bible that God, either through his own voice or through the voice of an angel or through the voice of a prophet, will speak to individuals or, or groups of people at large. And it's amazing to me, as I started to study this out, how many times the word of God starts with a single word. Arise. You missed it. Almost. A single word. So we're going to walk through scripture. Genesis 13, 14 through 18. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thou seed be numbered. Arise, walk through the land and the length of it and the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Miriam, which is in Hebron, and built an altar unto the Lord. God gave Abraham a great promise in this moment. He said, Abraham, first of all, I want you to look around, and I want you to look all around you, and and, and the land that you see, I'm going to give that land to you. But it all hinged upon whether or not Abraham would be obedient to the command that came, and, and the command was, arise. You, you have to get up, Abraham. If you want what I have for you, you can't stay where you are. You have, to, you have to move. Now, that sounds very exciting, but when we look at the context of what Abraham was dealing with, he, he had been very, very good to his nephew Lot. He had treated him very well. He had been kind to him. Lot had become blessed simply because of the covenant that his uncle Abraham had with God. Lot was not a builder of altars, but he was always in the presence of God because Abraham would build altars and would worship God and those blessings overflowed. And and now Abraham and Lot are so blessed and they can't dwell in the same land together. And so Abraham, being the good uncle that he is, brings Lot up and he says, just just take your pick. 
And this nephew, this family member that he had been so good to says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all the good land. But don't worry, you can have the desert. Abraham probably felt a little down. I would feel a little down. I would feel cheated. I would feel wronged. I would feel taken advantage of. I would feel angry. You, you can figure out how you would feel. I'm just telling you how I would feel. And, and in the, the midst of this, on the heels of him parting with family in, in a way that was probably a little bit bitter, God speaks to Abraham and he says, you need to arise. Genesis 19 and 15 says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot. Here God's still taking care of this guy. Saying, Arise. Take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Lot, from his separation with Abraham, had chosen to surround himself with sinful people and sinful practices. He along had had placed his family in the path of, of coming judgment, and God sends angels to spare him from that moment. And when they get there, they they tell him of the destruction that's to come. But knowing what was coming was not enough to save him from what was coming. He said, Lot, if you want to live, if your family is going to live, you have to get up. You, you have to get up. You can't, you can't sit here. Just knowing what God's going to do isn't going to deliver you from the judgment that's coming. Genesis 21, 17 and 18 says, And God heard the voice of the lad, and the, and the angel of God called Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee? Now that's a pretty silly question considering the fact that Hagar had been severely wronged. When we read the the story that unfolds before this, Abraham and Sarah made a very foolish decision and Hagar gets wrapped up in the middle of it. Now she has a child that's that's a part of this. And and later on in life, Sarah says, you know, I think that was a bad idea. Let's just get rid of her. And so they're in the desert, and the child is thirsting to death, and she's sure that he's going to die. It's so much so that she can't even watch anymore. She separated herself away, and the angel says, what's the matter with you? Really? Where would you like me to start? Hagar had been wronged by Abraham. I'll go a little bit further. Abraham was the man of God in her life, and and Hagar had a a reasonable... uh, argument to say she had been wronged by the man of God in her life. She's in the desert with a dying child. She was absolutely hopeless. She had completely given up, but God speaks to her. And after the angel says, what aileth thee? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, and I will make him a great nation. Once again, we see a promise of God. We see a promise of God that is contingent upon him getting up. Getting up. I'm trying, bro. I'm trying really hard. I got to keep this thing closer to my face, guys. Pick it up. Deuteronomy chapter number 10, verse 11. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey. Before the people that they may go in and possess the land which I swear under their fathers. The path of promise was paved upon the willingness of a man who heard the command to arise. He had to he had to get up. We see this promise continue in Joshua one, one and two. 
Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Thank you, Lord. I kind of picked up on that. His mentor, the one that he had followed, the one that he had, he had been with. He's, he's mourning the death of Moses. And, and this revelation comes from heaven. Moses is dead. Yes, yes, he is. I receive that because I, I, I know it's true. Now, therefore, arise. But God, I just, I just want to stay here and mourn for a while. I just want to wallow in, in this moment because I'm, I'm broken and I'm sad and, and I'm hurting. God says, Moses is dead. Now get up. Now get up. He goes on to say, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Frozen in fear, Joshua finds him play, himself in a place between mourning his mentor and the expectation of a very demanding people. And what God wanted to do for them, it, it, it hinged on, it all rested on his willingness to arise. Anxiety, stress, sorrow, and insecurity had to be pushed aside for him to obey the command to arise. The promise of God superseded the life of one man, Moses, and now rested upon the shoulders of Joshua, and it was his turn to arise. It was his turn to get up. God speaks again in Joshua 8 and 1. And the Lord said unto Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise. Go up to Ai, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. On the heels of great defeat, God's word for Joshua was get up. They had already been to Ai one time and they got their butts kicked. They had already marched into Ai, but there was compromise in the camp. And so when they got there, there was no victory to be had. Because you can't have victory. You can't have deliverance. You can't possess lands that don't belong to you when there's compromise in the camp. And, and so they had got up on their own accord of their own strength and thought, we're just going to march against Ai. That's what we're going to do. And the compromise caused great defeat. And, and they fled and men's lives were lost and, and souls perished that day. Joshua feeling like a failure as a leader. He led them into that battle and they lost. Feeling like a, a failure as a warrior. Joshua's legacy is, is he was a leader of war. He was a leader of conquest. And, and this great general is licking his wounds. And while he licks his wounds, God speaks and says, hey, get up. Go back to Ai. Get up and go back to Ai. He was demoralized. He was down. He was out. But God said, get up. Judges 7 and 9. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered them into thy hand. This is Gideon that God's talking to. And the people of God are severely oppressed and captive. See, the enemy had not possessed their land. He, he, he wasn't living there. He had just oppressed their land. And so he allowed them free reign to, to live in their land without him having complete dominion. But anytime something good would take place, he would ride in and, and they would spoil the land and they would take the crops and they would take all the good things and all the joy and then they would ride back off into the, the sunset. And there's a difference between spiritual possession 
and spiritual oppression. And, and we sometimes can, can easily identify the demoniac, the, the one that has, been, that has been possessed, taken control of, and the enemy is on site at all times. But we fail sometimes to recognize situations and circumstances where the enemy is exercising spiritual oppression. And Gideon is in a land where there is, there is spiritual oppression, and the people are captive even though the enemy is not there all the time. They're outnumbered and they're outarmed. God speaks to them, and, and you know the story, and if you don't, you can read it in context of the passage that I gave you. But he, he dwindles down the army of Gideon, and, and he causes them to lay aside their arms, and he gives them a, a really crazy plan. It doesn't make sense to the carnal mind. It doesn't seem like there could be any victory over this, this oppressor. But yet, if they will just get up and do what God said, there's great deliverance waiting upon them. 1 Kings 19, 5 through 7. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake beaten on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. <laughs> Elijah is, is severely depressed. On the heels of, of great spiritual victory and fire falling from heaven, now he finds himself curled up under a tree, praying things like, God, just kill me. I don't want to live anymore. We, we chuckle about it, but this is a serious situation. He is depressed. He, he is in a bad place, so much so that an angel from heaven shows up on the scene with, with a cake and water. And he says, hey, come on, Elijah, get up, get up, man, eat. And so he does. He gets up and he eats and he drinks and then he lays right back down. I mean, I would think that if an angel from heaven brings you a meal and says the word of God is get up, you might stay up for a little while. But but this was a serious issue that Elijah was dealing with. And he lays right back down. And verse seven says, and the angel of the Lord came again the second time. And touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. The message of God did not change due to the severity of Elijah's battle with depression. The message of God did not change because it didn't work the first time. The angel came back and said again, Elijah, you got to get up. Come on, don't you remember I said you got to get up. You got you got to get up. You're, you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to move from this place. Matthew 9 and 6 but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. This man was not able to get up. He had been debilitated for some time, and he did not have the ability to do what Jesus was telling him to do. He has now uh, become the spectacle of the crowd. Jesus singles his situation out and, and says, says I, I want you to get up. Your sins are going to be forgiven. I, I'm going to do a great work in your life today. But, but it hinges upon you. It hinges upon you getting up. His miracle was wrapped up in his ability to put more faith in the word of God than his condition. I can only imagine the thoughts that went through that man's mind. How many times have I tried to get up before? 
how much of a fool am I going to look like if I start to struggle on this mat here and fail again? Why would he ask me to do something that I cannot do in the first place? But the word of God for this man was get up. Acts 9, 33 and 34. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years. That's a long time to be in bed. And was sick of palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, make thy bed. And he arose immediately. The same authority that Jesus spoke with was transferred to the apostles. And the same message that they gave to people in this condition was the same message that he gave to people in that condition. And it was, it was, get up, get up. Where's it going to start? Where's change going to come from? Where, where are things going to begin to turn around when I, when I get up? That's when it's going to change. Mark 5 and 41. And he took the damsel by the hand. She's dead, by the way. And he said unto her, Talithi cumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Um, Jesus, she, 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 she can't get up. Jesus comes in the scene and he's like, hey, just, just get up. No, I, I'm done. This is over. I, I'm out. I'm done. The, the, the book is closed. I'm dead. I, I can't. Jesus just said, get up. Luke 7, 14 and 15, and it came, and he came and touched the bearer. And they that bear him stood still, and he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Once again, death itself had had sunk its teeth into this young man's life. and, And Jesus just said, you need to arise. You need to arise. Luke 15 and 18, I will arise and go to my father's house and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Where did the prodigal son's story begin to turn around? It's when he finally came to the revelation that I can't stay here anymore. It's not until I get up that things are going to start to change. I can daydream about daddy's house all day long, but I'm still going to be here with the pigs. I can sit around and think about how things used to be and I can wallow not only in the pig's mire but in guilt and in shame and in rejection and I can think about how all my friends did me wrong but nothing changed until this young man decided I will arise. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up. I'm just not going to stay here anymore. I don't know what dad's going to say. I might just be a be a servant when I get back home but but I've got to get up. I can't stay here any longer. Acts 22 and 16, and now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Jesus said you need to get up and be baptized. That's still the message we preach, isn't it? What you waiting on? You need to be baptized. The fact of the matter is, and I've tried to lay a a very good foundation for this, but you, you can get up. You can get up. You will get down. Don't, don't be fooled. You will get down. Funds can get down. Feelings can get down. Relationships can go down. Your morale can go down. Your motivation can go down. God forbid your very health can go down. There are times in life that we fall down. We get knocked down. We get tired and just sit down. We step down. We slink down. 
We feel down, we look down, we connect ourselves to people that pull us down. But it doesn't matter how you got down. The word of God for this service today is you need to arise. However it is that you got to where you are, your situation is not going to change until you get back up. You got to arise. You have to arise. I feel an authority in this service right now. And the thing is, there are several things that are coming against, spiritual things that are coming against this generation. Not just in the church. I'm talking over overall in our generation. And that is a, a, a spirit of depression and a spirit of anxiety. And I've come to battle against those things today because it is not the will of God for you to be held down by fear and anxiety and depression. It's the will of God for you to get up. For you to get up. Elijah was depressed and Gideon was afraid and Joshua was, was anxious. But they got up and God did something great in their life. They got up and God turned things around. They got up and the promises began to come true. It, 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 it burdens my heart and my soul when I hear so many people in our generation outside of the church. Every other person you talk to, yeah, I suffer with anxiety. I deal with depression. I, I, I have a lot of fear in my life. And that's troubling. That, that's burdensome. But it ticks me off when I talk to young adults in the church of the living God that have so adopted these labels that I I suffer from anxiety. I am a person that is depressed and I am not standing here casting stones at people that have legitimate mental issues. There are a small minority that really are dealing with a mental challenge and those things can be treated. But I think we've become far too comfortable seeking the diagnosis and far too distant from seeking the deliverance that God said is possible if we'll just get up. If we'll just get up. It's easier to go to the doctor and have them slap a label on my back and just take some pills. But the problem is you cannot medicate spiritual oppression with things that are are meant to treat mental depression. The enemy's not possessed this generation. He's content with oppressing this generation. And we're content with letting him. I'm just going to stay down. I'm just going to be depressed. That's just what I'm going to be. I'm just going to deal with this forever. I, I'm just going to have to live this way. Uh, no, 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 no. Jesus said that we ought to be, uh, we, not Jesus. Uh, we, Paul told Timothy we ought to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. How can anybody come to me and ask hope of me if I live my life in a state of depression? I can't do that. Nobody's looking around saying, they look depressed. I'm going to ask them what what they're doing in their life. No, 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 no. But if that is the the surge of spiritual energy that's coming against our generation, there ought to be a place where they can find people that don't succumb to the same challenges day in and day out. Yes, we have down days. And yes, there are times that we frown. But when we find ourselves in those moments, (laughs) oh, we strengthen those shaky knees. And we begin to stand up again. And we begin to walk forward. And I might not feel better right away, but I'm moving from where I was. I'm not going to stay in a place of depression and anxiety. I can't live there. I can't live there. And I understand that what I'm preaching about is extremely real because this challenge came against me and I'm going to be transparent for a few moments when, when we begin to make the decision to go and to plant a church. How many of you want to do great things for God? God's spoken things. You've got ministry in your life. Why, why wouldn't the enemy come against that? But I began to deal with things that I, I was not used to and I, I'm, I'm not the, the, 
super spiritual guy all the time. I don't talk to angels and argue with devils. That's not me. But I began to lose sleep. And I began to to wake my wife up in the night, and and, and in my sleep I would be calling upon the name of Jesus, and and I'd be crying out, and I would wake up with with horrible nightmares, spiritual nightmares, nightmares where where we would be going into the city that we were going to go in, and there would be someone with a need, and and, and we would start to pray for them, and all of a sudden that person would would turn into some kind of of demon, and and there would be this spiritual battle, and and I didn't understand, and and I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know what it was like, but I knew how it made me feel, and I was incredibly afraid. Okay, and I told you I'm being transparent. I don't like to be afraid. I'm a grown man laying in my bed in the middle of the night, and I'm scared. I ain't saying nothing to nobody. (laughs) Tell nobody what's going on. And this would happen, and we would go out of town, and many times for, for one reason or another, I believe there's great protection that we can create in our homes. I'll say that. And so many times this wouldn't take place in our home, but if we were traveling and we were in a hotel room somewhere or we were staying in someone else's home, that, that, that's when these things would take place. And, and, and even in my home, there are times when it wouldn't be as severe, but I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would have this overwhelming sense that my kids aren't safe. And if you're a parent, you know how much you love your kids. And when the enemy starts to say things like, yeah, some, somebody's going to take your kids. That's what's going to happen. You don't know anybody in this city, and you're putting it all over social media that you're new, and, and, and so you're making yourself a target. Somebody's going to take your children. And I would lay for hours in bed at night and try to figure out how I could protect the situation. I, that's what we're going to do. Um, uh, okay, from now on, my wife, she's going to she's gonna have to drive the kids to school, and she'll pick them up right after school, and, and then we'll, we'll make sure we know where they're at when they're at home because it was, it was fear. It was anxiety. It was, it was spiritual oppression. And it, it finally came to a breaking point, and, and, and I had one of these terrible dreams one night. And I, I, I remember waking my wife up, and I said, I, I don't want to scare you right now, but I, I want you to be aware that I'm, I'm about to do something. And it wasn't until I made up my decision or made up my mind, every single time this comes against me, I'm going to get up. I'm going to arise. I'm going to take some authority in the spirit, and I'm going to go to prayer every single time. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to begin to pace the floor. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to begin to call upon the promises of God. I'm not just going to lay here and worry about what could be, because that's the tactic of the enemy. What if? What if? What if? And anxiety begins to well and swell up. Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? But I will not stay down. I will arise. I will arise. We've got to get up. We've got to be a people that know how to get up despite how we feel, despite what we think, because many times those things will not change until the spiritual climate begins to alter and change. I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe that within our generation at large and and even so much more in the church, that that high of a percentage of people have a legitimate mental breakdown. That's not the case. But there are spirits that are coming against this generation. Fear and anxiety and depression. And I call them out today. I call them out today. Because I know that we can dance in this. all. We, we had a great time in, in service here already today. But, but some of the same people that were, that were worshiping exuberantly were doing so because that was not a moment of oppression. And at night, it's not that way. And on your drive home, you're not going to feel like you did when you were right here.
but you have access to the same God. And when Jesus rose from that tomb, he made it possible for you to rise also. He made it possible for you to get back up, to stand back up. And so when you're driving your car home later this afternoon and those same familiar emotions begin to come back over you and and you start to feel down and, and you don't understand why and you start to feel afraid and you start to feel inadequate, you can access the same throne that you danced around today and you can begin to pray with the same authority that you prayed with last night and you can begin to change some things in the spirit, but you've got to be willing to get up. You've got to be willing to get up. I know some of you are in a place right now where you are the one that's down. You are the one that's down. You're like Elijah. You're you're laying on the ground and you don't want to get up. You don't want to get up. Maybe you've made some mistake. Maybe maybe it's sin that's taking you to a place that's down. Maybe it's it's circumstances or, or situations in life. It doesn't matter how you got down. All that matters is that you get up. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall... I will arise. I will arise. And we liken this to sin many times, and that's the case. But there are other things in life that causes us to fall. But we've got to make up our mind, just like the writer of Scripture. I will arise. Right now, I'm making up my mind. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back up. And I can hear the the, the echoes of answers from some coming back to me right now. You don't know how many times I've gotten up before. You don't know how many times I've ended up right back down here before. I get up and then I fall back down. And I get up and I fall back down. The scripture says something very interesting. The righteous man falleth seven times and gets back up. Now, I I would have a little bit of a problem. How can the, the man that falls seven times... Still be described as righteous. The righteous man. He stumbles all over. He can't even walk. He's fallen seven times. Get it together. And that's what we feel like people are going to say to us. Man, you've been down there so many days. Just get it together. What is your problem anyways? That's what we think the answer is going to be when we, when we come back to God the, the eighth time and the ninth time and the 25th time. And, and, and we, we're still battling with the same thing. I don't have a problem with watching people struggle. I don't have a problem with that. Because if you're struggling, that means you're still in the fight. You're still in the battle. You're probably doing something right. The problem is when we give up and we just accept it. Labels are very, very, very sticky. I do construction work and I hate labels. I buy a brand new steel door, right? And I put it in my my basement because we remodeled our basement. And on that brand new steel door is like a nine by six label that they just stuck right to the face of the door so you know what size it is and what it's made out of the problem is have you ever tried to take one of those off it's like little little bitty shards of paper and that's just the top layer then there's the other paper and the glue and 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 you got all this time invested in taking this off and and i refuse i refuse to allow an entire generation especially within the apostolic church to be labeled as depressed and despondent and anxious and fearful and timid. Because once, once you put that thing on, it's really hard to get back off. It comes off in little pieces and, and, and it shards and, and everybody can see it. And the enemy sits by and he's just waiting. He's just waiting. The scripture said, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall. And that's what he's doing. He's waiting because he wants to catch you in a moment when you're down. And then, depressed. He's depressed. Yep, the doctor said it. He's depressed. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Yep, 
And you have a, 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 this moment of, of trial and you're down and the enemy runs over and boom, yep, anxiety. That's what you got. It's just a condition. Don't worry about them. It's just a condition. You're just going to deal with it. You just have to learn to cope with it. But if you take these pills and, if you, and we seek the diagnosis and we forsake the deliverance. We don't, even, we don't even try to be delivered. People are content with the diagnosis. This is just what I am. This is just what, see, can't you read my label? This is just what I am. The professionals have said so. The word of God says arise. It says get up. It says you don't have to be that way. It says you can be delivered and set free. And you can be changed and you can never battle with that thing again. Don't stay down. Get up and arise. Arise. Arise, people of God. Arise, warriors of prayer. Arise those that have felt down and left out and discouraged. Now is the time to get up and move forward. Get up. Get up. I'm trying to get you to a place today where you're fed up. Because it's not until you get fed up that you'll get up. I can't deliver you. This message can't deliver you. This conference can't deliver you. The scriptures that I read in and of themselves cannot deliver you. You've got to get to a place in your own spirit where you're so fed up with the labeling. You're so fed up with the struggle. You're so fed up with the smell of the ground that you lay in. That you say, I, I, I will arise. I'm getting up. I'm not staying here. I am not depressed. I am not anxious. I am not fearful. I will move forward. I refuse to be intimidated. No, my emotions haven't changed, but I'm changing my mind right now. I'm changing my mind right now. Let me say it this way. I'm going to repent right now. Metanoia, a change of mind. I'm going to change the way I think. And if I change the way I think and I get up and I'm obedient to the word of God, I'm believing that the way I feel will follow suit. I'm believing that the oppression that's coming my way is going to follow suit. I've got to first change the way I think. I am not what they have said I am. I am not what they said I am. I can be delivered. I can be set free. I don't want to just sing about it. I want to know that there's deliverance. I want to know that there's deliverance. There's such a stigma and there's such a, a shame that comes with some of these things, especially even in a service like this, when really what I'm preaching is hope. And you can be standing there right now or sitting there right now and, and you're dealing with embarrassment and shame. I shouldn't feel this way. The preacher, he just said I shouldn't be like that. And so I, I will just I'll just get through this service, too. Can I please, can, can, you, can you please just shut those voices off for a minute and listen to me? This is not a place of shame. This is not a place where you're going to be looked down on, laughed at, looked sideways at. This is a place of deliverance. This is a place of deliverance. Jesus never said every head bowed, every eye closed. He called people out. 
He called people out. Those that we read about that received mighty miracles in Scripture, who are they? They're the ones that were stepping out of the crowd, pushing people out of the way, finding a place to get, get into the presence of God and get to the front, forsaking the stigma of their condition. I just got to get to where Jesus is. We're in one of those moments where the presence of God is here. And there's also situations that are here. I refuse to call them conditions because you don't have a condition. But there are people that are dealing with the spirits that I'm preaching against today. In this place right now. And that oppression would love to keep you in your seat. To keep you in your place. But what I want to do is I want to open an altar. Right here in the presence of God. I want to open an altar for those that desire deliverance. I want to give people an opportunity to arise. To get up. And to step out and say, I I don't want to feel the way I've felt. If you're anxious, if, if you're fearful, if you're depressed and despondent, you don't have to leave here that way today. You don't have to leave here that way today. You can... You can arise. It may not change in a moment. It may not change in a, in a single prayer. But this is the start to a new direction. This is the beginning of a turning of, of, of thought patterns and a turning of, of changes. So if you leave this altar and you still feel down from time to time, you come back to this altar spiritually. And you lay another stone upon this thing. And you, you pray again. And you seek. God again. But that being said, how many people came into Jesus' presence with a condition and left completely whole? What about being delivered today? What about leaving here without ever having another symptom? Without never battling with this thing again? Why not? Why not seek radical deliverance? I'll trust God if it doesn't come. But I'm going to seek deliverance. I want to be set free. I want to be changed. If Jesus Christ can stand up and arise and walk out of a tomb and leave that thing empty. He can get you up today. He made possible for us to get up. He made it possible for us to get up. I'm going to come against it in the spirit. God, I call out the spirit of depression right now. And I pray with authority. I pray, Lord, over those that are dealing with it. Those that have kept it quiet for so long. And they've learned to smile when they don't want to. And they've kept the tears to themselves. And they've been oppressed by this thing that comes against our generation. I pray that you would break the back of the spirit of depression. God, I pray that you would lose joy. And that you would lose peace. And that you would lose a sense of of belonging and purpose into the lives of these people. God, I come against it. I come against it right now. It has no authority in this place.